Hello and welcome to the Magical Friends Podcast. I'm Cindy Devine, your host, and we will be speaking about all things mental health, spiritual expansion, and a lot more things you'll have to listen to figure out. Um, If you want to connect further with us, then feel free to reach out via Instagram or cindydevine.com. We have an incredible episode ahead of us today. Let's get started. Hello, hello, magical friends. I'm Cindy Devine, and welcome to the podcast. Um, This is our first episode. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I am going to talk about manic energy today, and we're going to go through what is mania, where does it come from, different types of mania, how how it used to run my life, the process of my self-healing journey, how you can begin your self-healing journey around mania, and if you're desiring support, um, how I can help you in that process. So let's get started. Um, (laughs) still getting used to this podcast thing. Um, long story short, I've always wanted to have a podcast and everyone in my life has told me I should have a podcast because I am very good at speaking, talking a lot, um, talking for a long time. So I've planned out this episode for the sake of time to keep it concise and magical and energetically fluent. So let's get started. So mania is defined in a few different ways, but generally it's defined as like intense excitement, euphoria, delusional behavior, excessive enthusiasm that basically is a lot of highs following with a lot of lows. So when you're manic, you usually have this really, really like, oh my God, the world's an amazing place. Oh my God, I'm going to do all these things. And then you eventually come down from that mania and maybe you're feeling like, oh my God, fuck my life. I don't know what's going on. Nothing's working. Um, Usually you have trouble maintaining consistency in your life, in your schedule, in carrying out your goals um, or your projects. And I believe that we all have a little bit of this in us. Um, but generally I discovered that I was experiencing manic behavior when I was diagnosed with bipolar type two. So I want to also say that bipolar, there's bipolar one and there's bipolar two. I'm bipolar type two, but let's begin with bipolar type one. So I'm not a registered psychologist or (laughs) any of that. Um, I'm a registered life experiencer and have dealt with it for a large part of my life. And so I know what it feels like, but I can't explain anything other than bipolar type one is, um, the very like aggressive outwardly crazy behavior, um, that's uncontrollable for most people that have it. They're throwing chairs. They're doing crazy shit. Like, it's a little bit more of a darker version. Um, And then bipolar type 2 is what I was diagnosed with. It took them several years to diagnose me. I was diagnosed um, at 18 with it. And bipolar type 2 is basically 
when you're having like not full-blown delusions or borderline psychotic behavior, but you have some really, really, really up days and you're like so excited about life. And then all of a sudden, like you either wake up or you have this like midday shift of like, holy shit, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? I hate everything. I'm mad about something. Um, all the inner turmoil just like surfaces and you kind of flip flop, flip flop <laughs> back and forth from like, I'm amazing. Shit sucks. I'm amazing though. And, um, the first way that I was advised to deal with my bipolar, um, okay, let's stay on track. I have notes here. Now we're going to go into how it used to run my life. So basically how I was advised to deal with it at first. And I'd been diagnosed with depression a few years prior, um, like a chemical imbalance, not seasonal by any means. I was going through a lot, but that's for a different episode. Um, so I was told that I needed to add a med to my regimen and it was going to balance my mood. And I was like, oh my God, sick. Like I'm going to be normal. That's great because that's what I was told. And I was very impressionable at 18 and all I wanted was relief. And I felt literally crazy all the time, let alone like you're settling into new hormones still. I was a late bloomer, all those things. Um, so mania was running my life in a way that I was so ready to take drugs for it, like (laughs) medication. Um, my parents were like in denial about me having it because I think it was like a really crazy wake up call for them. Um, but for me, it didn't make me feel like such a victim rather it really gave me like a means to the madness, if that's the right term. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is how I'm feeling. Oh my God, someone understands me. There's more people going through this. It was actually like quite validating for me because I could like identify it and realize that there was like proven ways to figure it out and just like release this crazy fucking behavior that I was constantly exhibiting with lack of really like any control. (laughs) So it used to run my life in a few ways. And I already mentioned I had like very excessive enthusiasm, overactive behavior. Sometimes I'd be up for like several nights at a time. Like I literally could not sleep because of like the energy that I was just experiencing or ramping up and like couldn't calm it down. Um, This also came out in like my party phase, wasn't a huge drinker, not a big drug person. However, like I would love to go out and just like meet people and talk to everybody. And I naturally still talk to everybody. Don't get me wrong. It's like a problem sometimes because in public, I always want to like meet people or, um, you know, I love meeting all different people from different walks of life. And it's just a little bit of an Aquarius thing. Um, I'm an Aquarius and it's a little bit of a, like, I'm curious and I want to learn from everyone. But with that, there's this other side of it that is super low energy that once you're like up all night, you're partying, you're meeting a lot of people, you want to get so much out of life, 
then there's this like really deep dark downfall that like partnered with my depression like really well um and I had this like lack of motivation and I'd be exhausted but like I couldn't sleep so like there was no beating this exhaustion and overstimulation and I found that like I dreaded hanging out with people and they dreaded hanging out with me in some cases because I was sucking the energy out of them because I had so much of it. I was basically my worst nightmare, like an energy vampire, like literally sucking all the life out of people, not in a mean way and not because I want to steal their energy, but like that's the only way I knew how to interact in the house that I grew up in. Um, there's a lot of loud voices. Um, I grew up with an abusive step parent for 13 years. Like a lot of our interaction around the house was yelling and my mom did the best she could. I'm by no means dragging my mom here, but I am being super transparent in the sense of, I know what it's like to grow up in a house where no one can get a word in. Everything's chaotic and naturally Mania is just induced from there, like on a daily basis. So there was really no like fixing it. I really don't like that word, but managing it in a way that I was removed from my environment that was continually inducing this type of behavior. Um, I truly believe on another note that we are products of our environments. And then when we're out of the environment, we realize like, oh shit, like not everybody operates like this and I don't have to if I don't like it. Um, But if you've experienced this, I just really, really want to hone in on the fact that it's actually like a living hell at times. (laughs) And I know the pain, I know the suffering, I know the like, also I want to touch on this like taking medication for it. I was on medication for about four years. I was told medication was terrible growing up, really bad, um, all the things, got on it, like I said, when I was 18 for my mania. Um, I was already on it for my depression a little bit before getting on the mood stabilizer. And once I got on that mood stabilizer, like shit was good for like maybe a year. Um, But as I continued like into my adulthood and like, into my, like, development as a human being, um, I started fading. And everyone around me just saw me fading very, very quick. From exhaustion, because I was still experiencing mania, but then a lot of the medications that they put you on for mania is supposed to actually regulate your mood. So it's going to make you tired. Sometimes it makes you tired, Sometimes it has the opposite effect and actually makes it worse. There's no guarantees when you're taking medication. And I am not dragging medication by any means. But I am going to say that one thing that I really, really teach my clients and implement into each experience that I offer is that trust yourself when you know that something isn't working for you. And then after that, make the aligned decision and know that like you're going to be supported in carrying out that like way of finding a solution. Even if somebody says there's no solution, there's always a solution. Like you just have to find it or sometimes you have to create it. And 
creating the solution has been like the past few years of my existence and how I've arrived here now. So if you're on medication and you want to get off and you feel dead, do it. If you feel great on medication, do it. Like take your power back and really just whatever feels good for you, honor it. Um, But when I was on medication, I just, for lack of a better term, was dead. And man, I feel like I'm getting out, getting out the trauma. Um, (laughs) But being on medication was something I did, like I said, for four years. And I was slowly fading, 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 felt like I had zero personality, was not my spunky, excited, um, true self. I felt like I really had no identity and no personality. And I kind of missed my mania, and I think a lot of people who experience manic behaviors, whether it's from bipolar or something else, it's kind of fun sometimes, and I hate saying it, but, like, there's times where you can get more shit done than any drug could ever help you do, like, the bad kind. Um, I'm not promoting that by any means, but just to give a totally honest, like... (laughs) testimonial of my manic life um yeah so next we're gonna go over my process of self-healing and how I basically healed my say I can't even speak um how I healed myself from experiencing so much fucking mania and it started with this (laughs) doing one of the most scary things of my life after being told by doctors that like I was gonna die I was gonna unalive myself um my life would be over I'd have no stable job if I got off my meds so I did it I thought at this point I don't even want to be on earth I don't even want to be here and I really believe that a lot of light workers a lot of star seeds I'm not really big on all those um names to refer to energy workers or healers But when you're really, really connected, like you just know in your heart whether like you're actively practicing healing work or energy work or not. And so I went to a doctor to basically help me like get off of them because you can't just like go off. Like you could die. Like it's actually very serious. Um, And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get off these things. Can you help me? Her first reaction was no she's like ah yeah I just don't I don't feel comfortable with this you know with your history um I had been put in psychiatric care for like three days I had gone to a treatment center for 49 days for mental health reasons and um she said no at first and as I began to like open up to her and really be like hey I'm not okay, and these aren't working anymore, and I truly believe in my heart I'm not supposed to be on these. I finally convinced her to entertain the idea, and she got them compounded. The process of getting off of them is usually, like, they give you smaller doses so you don't have a full-blown brain shock and, like, actually go into cardiac arrest or stop breathing, you know? And she did that. And sure enough, um, (laughs) this happens to a lot of people. 
they end up doing it for a few weeks. They're compounding. They're going through an extended, slow burn of a, like, withdrawal. I just decided I wanted to be a new person and I went completely off of them on week two when I should have done like a full eight week per med like detox. This is getting a little bit rambly. So we're going to move through this and basically say that I was not okay for the week following this complete like I'm going to go cold turkey and I saw hallucinations. I or I was hallucinating. I was not okay. I was sweating. I thought I was dying. I had no sense of reality or what was going on. My roommate was a little bit concerned, I believe, because she's like, oh my God, like haven't seen Sydney in a while. Um, So yeah, we did it though. And when I did it, these were the ways, the process of my self-healing journey that I began to be like, huh, I'm off the meds. I feel crazier than fuck. No one's going to help me. (laughs) So how do I save myself from this like mess that I got myself into? Because as much as I like hated not having a personality, now my personality is like actually going to unalive me. So um, I began diving into self-help books. Um, when you're manic, you can't really read though. So I was trying the audiobooks. I was trying to like constantly seek different sources of information and connect with like podcasts. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of people that talked about mental health in a spiritual way. And it wasn't that I was incredibly spiritual, but it always felt like home when I was listening to a spiritual podcast and it felt like a safe space for me. Just, Yeah regardless of even wanting to listen to what they're talking about, like felt safe. And so I went on a few manic episode crazy moments where I felt like I wanted to unalive once again. But as I was reading these self-help books, I just kept telling myself, like, if these people sold this many books about what they're doing and they're like popular, they got to be helping someone. So I kept entertaining it, entertaining it, um, did the four agreements. I did all of those in that category and they helped, but there was zero accountability in me actually implementing it other than going to therapy. And I went to therapy for about eight and a half years, um, for eating disorder therapy, my early teens, depression and self-harm therapy for my mid teens and, sexual assault trauma and just general um, abuse trauma, later teens, early 20s. And so I would talk to my therapist and I do not want to drag therapy by any means. It is so powerful for so many people, but when you're in it for so long, you get in this pattern at times of reiterating your current situation And as we all know, you know, your words create your reality, your thoughts create your reality. And if I'm consistently telling my therapist that my life sucks and all these like traumatic events are like holding me back, you know, like there's going to be not much change. And that is the thing with therapy that was not, I was just not benefiting anymore. And so I was like, I don't believe in life coaching. Like I can't even afford life coaching. Like, but I also like 
really am not getting anything from therapy. And so I stopped therapy, but didn't have any accountability. And I became my own accountability partner, which I don't recommend. But if you have to, it's it's possible um, for short amounts of time. And so I had to begin with retraining my baseline. What I thought was normal, how I thought was like safe to act, react, respond, all the things was absolutely fucking crazy. And so um, just taking a sip of water. Um, I really didn't know how to do this. I did a lot of YouTube videos. I was just like, how the fuck am I supposed to like retrain my baseline? Like I was taught growing up that no one changes for the most part. Like everyone in my life, like they never changed. My dad was an alcoholic for a majority of his life. He's been one year sober now because he almost died. But people changing has only recently happened (laughs) in my human experience. And so I truly did not believe that anyone could change, let alone myself. And I had to start not only retraining my baseline of how I would react to things or how I experienced my life, but also just start handling like these beliefs around not believing in change. And so basically I started with the baseline, but I kept fighting with the baseline because change, you know, like My beliefs, my beliefs were that it was a no, but I was telling like my body it was a yes. And so I really recommend when you're retraining your baseline, also going over your beliefs and pairing the two together. And this is what I teach my clients is going through what you believe to be true and what you want to believe (laughs) and really getting to the bottom of those beliefs and disconnecting from what you don't want I'm connecting more to what you do want. And this could be anything from believing people can't change, for example. Here we go. So I had this belief that I would always be manic and I would never be okay and I could not change. Okay, so here's how we would begin to retrain our baseline. We would do things differently. Anything I did that I could identify as manic, I would begin to test the opposite. So if I was going to have a conversation with someone that I would usually get in a heated argument with, instead of getting in that heated argument and going into that space, I would begin to be done with the conversation or not accept that information or make the boundary and be like, hey, no, that I, I can't talk about this right now. This is not serving this is not serving me in any way and I'm not open to having this conversation like making boundaries and that's like the third component of this so that's not like a perfect example it's kind of a hard thing to um put into words because retraining your baseline is a constant act of showing up differently and you know, solidifying your beliefs and letting go of the old ones. And once you let go of a belief, to really let go of it fully, like, you have to replace it. Like, there's not just, like, this hollow center in you. Like, 
you got to be like, oh, okay, so I used to believe first this step of acknowledgement. Step one is acknowledging like, hey, I hold this belief. I obviously enjoy having this belief and that's why I continue to become addicted to like, you know, having this belief um, and carrying it out every day in my subconscious and in my conscious mind. And then step two is being like, okay, I want to let go of that belief because it's not serving me and it's not creating exactly what I want to create. I'm not aligned with the situations, the people, the scenarios, the opportunities that I desire. What's either the opposite of that or what do I actually want? And what I wanted was to believe that I could change, I could grow, I could experience um, peace, I could experience love, I could experience consistency, I could experience um, all the opposites of mania, really, um, at least in a bad way, like what mania did to ruin my life, in a sense. And so I wanted to really experience all these things, so I started connecting to, okay, I read all these books, how is everyone in the books on the YouTube, all the pools of information that we have access to, how are they creating the opposite of whatever situation they're going through, whether it's mania, depression, um, all those challenges? Um, And I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here because this is kind of a complicated topic. But I began to challenge my beliefs. So we acknowledge, we think of the op, we let go. We're like, okay, I'm actively letting go of this. And now I'm like, okay, what's the opposite of this? What do I actually want? And continually like implementing that. So this can be through journaling. I personally like don't like scripting. It does not really work for me that well. Um, I need to say it out loud. And so I say it out loud. I say it in the mirror. Um, I believe that change is available to me. I know that change is available to me. And this is what it looks like. So we're replacing the belief and now we need the action. And so the action is here is that every time you want to spiral, don't feed it. Don't feed it. And you may have to do some extra work than your average person may have to do that doesn't experience mania. But that's just a thing. That's the thing about having manic energy. I believe that there's a magic in mania that we'll talk about some other time. (laughs) But there's this part of mania that you just have to be like, hey, I know I have to work harder to make sure I don't go all the way up to 110%. And I got to keep it at a baseline. Got to keep it at a baseline that maybe spikes a little bit, but we're not going sky high through the roof out the universe crazy, you know? Um, Not fighting the feeling, but like replacing it with a feeling that could feel better and more, you know, productive or safe or desirable. And so that's the fourth component is the action. So let's just one more time here. First step um, is really realizing like I have this thought, recognizing it, acknowledging it. And the second part of this is being like, okay, let's let go of it. Let's be done. We're over this like actively transmuting it, like consciously transmuting it, like having a conversation with yourself in the mirror, in the journal, in the whatever it takes you to like to do it, like voice recording yourself and like a diary of like, like you're talking to a friend, but you know, no one's going to hear it. And so it's okay. 
Um, you feel safe. You can say whatever you need to say. Being honest. Step three, determining what the opposite is or the desirable feeling. Like what's the desired feeling that you want instead that is going to feel better than this manic fucking roller coaster that your mind wants to go on? Um, because it's innately a part of your human beingness, I guess, you know, like it's just kind of in us. Um, and so fourth is carrying out that action. What is the action? Is the action going for a run and getting that energy out? Um, I'm not a runner, but there have been times where I'm so through the goddamn roof that I run and I pay for it the next day, (laughs) but maybe you have to run. My favorite lately to manage my mania has been cold showers, Um, like ice baths or either like ice bowls and putting your face in it until you feel like grounded again. And another part of this um, is meditation. Like I have used meditation now regularly. When I first started and I had an experience where meditation became a really big part of my life, like I did not want to do meditation but I had a random guy um, in like an LA grocery store come up to me and, you know, universe sent him and was like, Hey, you need to start meditating. And I was like, who are you? Why do you, why, why are you talking to me? Point is, I was like, I give it 28 days. I'm not okay. I was really sick at the time. I was working a job I fucking hated and wanted to quit every single day. I had so much hate in my heart and just didn't like it. And so I began meditating for 28 days. I did, I worked up to about 30 minutes after the first month, but I began with 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. That's all it took. And I listened to this meditation by Ella Ringrose. She literally saved my life in so many ways. Um, (laughs) Love her. But she's a YouTuber, podcaster, spiritual mentor lady that literally just supported me through my whole expansion situation get okay again moment um but I did this meditation that was like connect to your higher self and I literally shit you not I did it twice a day you can also like look up meditations on YouTube there's so many meditations I hope to offer you guys some meditations on this podcast as well um in time and meditation is less about perfection I used to believe, and I believe a lot of people think that meditation is perfection. It is, you know, organizing your thoughts in a way that, um, that's like perfect and cute and pretty and functional. And it's not, it's about the continual practice of coming back to your center and being able to sit in the quiet and really like, just have the moment of like, fuck, I'm just like here in the world, do my thing. Um, nothing really matters but this moment and I'm never going to get it back again that's at least my experience um, and it's not that I always want to meditate I really don't but I know that my non-negotiables this is another component of managing your mania is having non-negotiables with yourself and with others when I wake up I do allow flexibility in my life because I do balance my masculine and feminine energy through structure, but I also allow flexibility. So maybe some mornings I'm waking up and first I go pee, brush my teeth, take a cold shower, then meditate. Or maybe sometimes I get stuck on my phone because someone calls and I'm like, oh crap. Like the point is, is that you can't beat yourself up 
for doing things not perfectly. And my point is, is that my non-negotiables, the first hour of the day, I'm not a perfect person. However, I know it's all perfect in time. And I'm gentle with myself on this because <laughs> it's been a process. My non-negotiables, getting up to pee, brushing my teeth, putting my contacts in, and um, meditating. I kind of assess what I need in the morning based on how I'm feeling, but maybe it's a gratitude meditation. Maybe it's a channeling meditation. Maybe I need guidance. Like, maybe it's just a heart-opening meditation. Maybe it's 10 minutes in silence. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is, that's my meditation. The meditation component has literally been the antidote for my mania. Meditation, having this process of retraining my baseline, the four steps, like having a structure around my day. I don't plan minute by minute by any means. As an Aquarius, that would not fucking fly with me. I tried so many times. This was something my therapist had mentioned like years ago. And I'm like, no fucking way. Like that sounds like the worst life ever. But there's ways that you can plan your day that work. Um, I kind of go into time blocking sitch and I'm like, okay, these are the things I want to get done today. I don't really like going with the need word. The need creates this like have to mode versus like I want and I desire. I'm moving towards like the creation of something bigger. I'm not crossing off a to-do list and just like being full-blown masculine Um, Because that may work for men because they have, like, the same hormones every day. But, like, women, we are not meant (laughs) to follow, like, you know, the 30 days of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, if you know what I mean. Like, it, we don't, we need variation. Like, we are creation energy. We're constantly creating, um, experiencing new emotions, all the things. You get the point. And so, trying to track with where I am again. Um... The structure thing, some days it looks one way, other ways it doesn't. Taking time to rest. There are some days where I do no work. I'm not on social media. Um, My business is based primarily off of social media, yet, like, we all have to take care of ourselves, and that looks different for everyone. And um, a sip of water. Um, This is just really a whole process of taking back your own power. And I share these things with you because as someone who is told by (laughs) like therapists, psychologists, and it's not just like one or two, it's like a major, major group of several people consistently telling me that, look, this is the way. And if you don't want to do it, you're fucked. Um, it really brought on this process of opening deeper, learning to go deeper and be like, wait, no, I, I create my own reality. Like, let's figure out how the fuck we do this. And through the meditation, through the structure, through the baseline, through the four steps, all that, I want to now move on to boundaries. And after boundaries, we have one more thing that I want to go through, but we're going to save that for the end because it's like, it's the best. It's what I teach my clients in Recode. Um, but here with boundaries, I want to remind you that though this is very basic, boundaries will save your fucking life. You know, there are permission slips to consistently like tend to yourself. 
and tend to like your highest version, not like your half-ass I'm exhausted version because I had to. And so I personally um, always go over my boundaries like quarterly now. Um, I had a coach that basically taught me how important these boundaries are and they're in all areas from, um, from financial boundaries, what I'm, what I spend, how I invest, um, partner boundaries, you know, what we expect of each other, what we want to experience, the amount of time we want to spend. And these are like totally masculine, masculine, but like in general, um, you don't, you don't have to make them super masculine. This is just a way for your masculine masculine to flow and your feminine to be supported by your masculine. Like that's why we want the masculine is to support the feminine. That's like gushy and mushy and like all the things and like all over the place. Um, yeah, especially if you're a creative, like you need masculine structures and boundaries. Um, they'll change your life. And also with clients, like if you have a business, like client boundaries, like friend boundaries, um, you know, family boundaries, fucking big one. What are you like willing to do and what are you unwilling to do? Like you get to create these. This is like truly a creative process to support your creative energy and your feminine energy. So highly recommend boundaries. Um, This is something all my clients have. Like it's not even optional because it is so important. Um, Next is desire mapping with my higher self and mania. So mania, if you've experienced it, I'm sure you have if you're still listening. And it's that with mania, you have so many ideas. You're so creative. It's a full-blown flow. You're like, oh my God, I want to do this and this and this and this. Well, I got really tired of that because I still have a lot of ideas. I catch myself literally like cycling through this like at least once a week um and desire mapping I also teach this um and it is basically to put it simply you have a desire and you basically map it out with a way of pointing to where you are now and what you desire and in between now and that desire what are the boundaries actions and like you know energies that you need to call in to basically achieve and support that desire and you could do this just like solo but I like to do this um when I connect with my guides or I connect with my higher self and this is like one of my favorite channeling practices it is kind of a long process sometimes because once you get in those realms, time just like doesn't exist. And so I try to do it at least once to twice a week, but I will also be offering like an offering very soon on how to start channeling, um, all those things. This is not what we're talking about now though. So just a little thing, keep a, keep a lookout if you are interested in channeling and learning how to do it and opening your third eye. Um, okay. So the desire mapping, super, super cool. You can do it with your higher self, your soul counsel, or just kind of try to like feel it out from where you're at. And next, as we begin to wrap this up, how can you begin to deal with your mania? Like, how can you begin to find peace? 
this is something I wish (laughs) that like I had back when I was like in full discovery mode of like, you know, how I was going to not only achieve, but like sustain and develop a process that was going to follow me for the rest of my life. That was going to support me in the ways that I felt weak. And I came up with four things. Struct or three technically. Um, structure. We just went over that. Honesty as a whole, being really honest with yourself and what needs to happen in order to get to the places that you want and what you need to let go of in order to call in. Um, and then some form of presence practice. If you're like, oh my God, Cindy, I can't do meditation. That sounds so terrible. Um, no problem. No problem. We are not making you do anything you don't want to do here. But I do think that some sort of presence with the breath is important. So if you don't want to do meditation, do breath work. You can do a guided five to 10 minute breath work every morning to include in your morning ritual. And I promise you, I literally, I don't make a lot of promises because I'm super, super big on keeping my word, but breath work will forever change your life if you do not want to do meditation or you can do both like fuck yeah do both if you want I personally can't sustain both because breath work isn't that exciting to me because I love meditation as someone who talks a lot being silent is actually pretty like magical um imagine that right but breath work you can find all of these guided like on YouTube like they're free all this is free and that's why a lot of people do not use their resources because you know Price points or activations, as I like to say. Um, And I want to end this episode with not only saying that I see you and I feel you and my heart like hurts for you (laughs) if you're going through this, but it's to say that you get to decide what happens from here. You get to decide how you want to take control of whether it's your mania whether it's your mental health whether it's your life situation like you get to decide how you want to show up this is all up to you at this point like there's nobody that can tell you no and there's nobody that can tell you like nobody will usually tell you to do it yourself they'll usually give you all of their unsolicited advice but my point is is that take back your own power stop outsourcing it Medical professionals are incredibly awesome, grateful for them. They go to school. That's great. But I know what it's like to be me and have something that took over my life for a really long time. And I know the feeling of feeling like there's no way out. And these are the ways through. Make it your own. Mold it to be something that accommodates you, that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel supported. Like that's all what this work is about. And it brings me so much joy to be able to share it with you. Um, And I just, the whole point of starting my podcast is really just about supporting you in a way that I can give and I can serve and you can get to know me better and you can get a better gist of what exactly we're about in the divine community. So if you are desiring support on this further, I encourage you to check out my recode one-to-one It is eight weeks short, and um, you can check more of that out either via Instagram at CineDivine or CineDivine.com slash offerings, and there is an application. I only take on a few people every now and then because it is a very intense offering, 
and a big commitment. Um, so if you're like, ah, oh, fuck my mania, I need help. I want support. I want all the cheat codes so I don't spend several years figuring this out and all those things. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. Fill out the application and I will connect with you. It is a paid offering. I just say that because I've had people in the past think it is free. It is absolutely not free. It is as necessary as paying for someone to change your tire, paying for an oil change. This is your life oil change. Recode is your life oil change if you are dealing with mental health issues or just inability to maintain structure. So I am here to support you. I would love to connect with you and hear more about what you're going through or your story or if you have struggled with mania. So feel free to connect via Instagram or all the other ways. Um, Sending you so much gratitude, so much fucking love, all the light from my heart to yours. And I appreciate you tuning in to my first episode. Wow. Um, stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be announcing them as they come out via Instagram. So thank you so much, magical friend, and I will see you on the next episode.